we're back. We are back doing another midnight show. I, I don't even know if we can call it a midnight show because it's more like 12.46 a.m., but we're back, Tony. I'm giving you all the credit here. I We talked about this a little bit off air before hopping on the show, and you read the tea leaves perfectly. You nailed it. It's it's your pick. It's your take. So congratulations on nailing this one. Even though for a second it looked like Deshaun wouldn't go to the Browns, he ended up with the Browns, and now Baker is going to be dealt to a team, most likely the Indianapolis Colts. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is this is one of the uh, one of the ones that I think is – the most accurate and it was i think the best time because our previous show that uh that we kind of predicted all this on was it's like our third most viewed show so far on colin so it blew up at the perfect time let's hope this one gets uh just as much and we've built a little yeah we don't like to pat ourselves on the back often but when we do i print out a column i wrote about the rams winning the super bowl in august and frame it um so we may try to get a digital framing we have a we have a clip of you saying it tony so Maybe you can try to frame that somehow. We'll figure it out. I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can do something. But yeah, so we're we're obviously burying the lead here because we're taking a bit just to to celebrate ourselves. It's it's funny that we got it right. Us two amateur guys. It feels like oftentimes we're kind of conspiracy theorists with our Excel spreadsheets and algorithms and stats, predicting things in the NFL that nobody's seeing. I mean, maybe not nobody, but a small minority seeing. But yeah, obviously the, the headline here was Deshaun Watson. He's going to the Browns. The Texans couldn't deal him or didn't want to deal him or Deshaun didn't want to go outside of the AFC. So unfortunately for the Texans, they'll be facing Deshaun later this season. But, you know, what was the most interesting part of the transaction for you? To- um... The whole thing was pretty interesting just because it was so, like, out of the blue. A couple days ago, it it was like yesterday or two days ago, it came out that, you know, Deshaun Watson has officially ruled out Cleveland. They met on Tuesday, and it took, like, a day, and it was very, very quick. They were ruled out. He wasn't going to go there. All right, fine. Then Baker requested a trade. They denied it. So it looked like everything was all figured out for at least the Browns. They were sticking with Baker. Nothing was going to change. The biggest surprise for me was that if you remember when we did this kind of mock trade, if you will, one of the things that we talked about was, oh, well, the Browns are going to have a decent number of players to throw in his assets. And they actually didn't trade any players. It was all picks. And that surprised me quite a lot because now Cleveland is going to be retaining that, I guess, now three-headed running back monster that they have and they're going to have Deshaun Watson. I thought for sure the Texans were going to make them give up at least one of their assets. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, it does make sense looking at the draft capital that they didn't give up an asset because the Texans are getting three first-round picks, those specific picks later to be specified, a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick, and then the Browns get Deshaun and a fifth-round pick. That love the little fifth-round pick. It's just so random. Um <laughs> yeah, they'll get a fifth round pick. Got to take everything you can get. Yeah, no, I mean, I would imagine. So, I, I would imagine that at least one of those first rounders is this year's. I could see the the third rounder as well as the fourth rounder being this year, and the fifth rounder. But obviously, the two other first rounders will be down the line in the future. Yeah. Um, so it's one each year for the next three years. Yes. So. One of the big things that, and I'm going to get to this in a minute, that Deshaun used to pick his team was obviously the fact that he immediately got a new contract with the Browns. So it went from, do you remember what the the previous contract was, Tony? The previous contract had him, it was like, I think it was $40 a year is what he was roughly making. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly, though. What is it? What is it now? I know it's crazy. I've been... Chicago all day until like five minutes ago. So I've been looking at all this stuff, but it's been crazy. Yeah, so I have the contract right here. So it's over the next five years, he is guaranteed $230 million, all guaranteed at signing. So it's the not the first ever 100% completely guaranteed contract, but the most money guaranteed it upon signing. That breaks down to a $45 million signing bonus and $46 million in average salary. And the first time Deshaun will be a free agent, unrestricted, I should say, is in 2027. Of course, he could always just force his way out of Cleveland. 
because when he signed with the Texans, I would have thought he would have been a Texan for the rest of his career. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of break down how awesome and magnificent this contract is, it's five years, $230 million, 100% completely guaranteed. The last contract he signed with the Texans was a four-year contract, $156 million, and of that, $110 million was completely guaranteed. So he has essentially over-doubled his completely guaranteed money in the span of essentially one contract in which he didn't even play for one full year. That is insane. No, it is. I mean, and I know that you were probably – you. Were, I feel like you've been one of the people who has been more skeptical of his return to – playing condition but i'd be i'd be remiss if we didn't discuss the the obvious problems in the browns signing with or the browns taking upon deshaun as we have a caller that we'll get to in a minute before we go further because you know as tony and i have said since we began the show we began the show on march 15th of 2021 and essentially since the show started we have said we don't want to talk about deshaun we want to have hands off of Deshaun because we can't we can't talk about it because it's too complex of an issue for for the two of us. We don't want to say the wrong thing because there are so many layers to it. But you know, now that we that we have to talk about it and that we're going to talk about it, it is important to note that Deshaun Watson has twenty two allegations of both sexual harassment and sexual assault, I believe, and that those two those uh, the cases that were brought before a grand jury in Texas were labeled as not being sufficient. Now, obviously that level of sufficiency is very different in a federal court, a court of, of criminal law versus a court of civil law where the, the standards for evidence are a lot lower in civil law. So those lawsuits are still going to continue. I would imagine that they're probably going to Deshaun will probably settle. And, you know, this is, this is very conflicting. I've seen a lot of people talk about the Browns having lost a lot of morals. Yeah. Today. And so that's, I, that's something we need to talk about before we go further. That, yeah, like you said, this has been something that with us being so in tune to the NFL for the past year, we have consistently dodged this one topic until the very last possible minute of which is essentially now We've done a good job, and we've done it completely out of we didn't know the legality of it. Frankly, we still don't know what all is going on with this. We know that he is essentially past the bare minimum bar to be re-eligible for the NFL. We pretty much know nothing beyond that. So at this point, all we can say really is he was a great player on the field. We had no idea what he was doing off the field at this point. We'll see what he does now, and we'll see what the future holds. Yeah, I mean, to go on to that, why I brought that up is because we have to, part of the calculus of this move for the Browns is not only the loss of their fans, but you have to think about the loss of games for Deshaun. I, you know, speculation has been that he may lose six to seven to eight games in the upcoming season as serving a suspension. Deshaun, by the NFL standards, has not faced any sort of penalty. He was never suspended by Goodell, never placed on the commissioner's exempt list. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. And that's because the Texans were never in a position where they thought that they were going to be playing Deshaun because Deshaun wanted out. You know, that's something that I think is lost in this, is that Deshaun wanted out before these allegations came down. Imagine his value with 22 cases of civil assault. I mean, a sexual assault on your plate and you're still that valuable. You know, just imagine the value you'd get without those problems, those strings attached. But the point is it makes it extremely difficult because like you said, he hasn't, he was never actually punished. You're, you're correct in that, Tom. He was never punished by the league. This is so weird because I don't know if it's coincidence or whatnot, but he wanted to get out of Houston and then all of these allegations came out. So it looks like the NFL suspended him for a year. That did not happen. He just refused to play, essentially, even though he was going through all this. He could have played every single game. He just chose not to. Yeah, I mean, the speculation is that had he decided to play, the very obvious result would be that he would be suspended or placed on the commissioner's exempt until the 
the legal side came to a more clear conclusion. And just again, because of the fact that they're, you know, despite what people may say, you do have to treat this very delicately. So I'm not saying that he is guilty, but 22 people is a lot of people. And because we need to give respect to him, I'm not going to, we're going to move forward from this, but I think that it is safe to assume that he will be suspended for at least six games, possibly more. And that's go- that is going to impact how we look at this upcoming season, because as good as the Browns are, if you have Case Keenum for the first six to eight games of the season, it changes the calculus of your season a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, it is weird. I have no idea what the cap space looks like uh, with this contract in. I don't think we know exactly enough about it for the the cap kind of hit for this year to be. But they do still have Baker on the team. They haven't traded him yet. I wonder if they keep him just as like an insurance policy. If they I don't the think they board. can afford to do that. I have no idea how, I guess, team-friendly this contract is going to be for this season. Because they might they might have kind of taken that into account where, you know, this guy could miss some time. What if we just absolutely backload this contract as a, you know, kind of a safety procedure for us for this upcoming year, keep Baker on for at least a little bit and really make it a team friendly contract for this season and then really kill ourselves down the line. But maybe not. I don't think we know that yet. Well, so according to um, sport track, and all you know, another contracting website. His cap hit is only ten million. He has a base salary of one million and a signing bonus of nine million. Um, and as far as over the cap is concerned, they they haven't published any numbers yet. So that's why I'm using Sport Track as of right now. So if you if you take Sport Track at face value, then it is more like a ten million dollar salary cap hit, and that looks incredibly friendly compared to other deals. Yeah, Baker, for example, is eighteen point eight million this year. So, you know, I, I don't think that, any, I don't think anybody's arguing that Baker's better than Deshaun. So, I mean, they're paying Baker a whole lot more on the cap this year, from what we know. Yeah, I'm, don't I mean, don't get me wrong. Deshaun is going to have the last laugh. <laughs> um, but from a from a salary perspective, yeah, I guess it's a lot more team friendly than I originally imagined. Which, I mean, I guess it is financially possible to to keep Baker as far as over the cap is concerned from a Browns cap perspective, they seem to be fine. They're still 16 million. Yeah. And as that, that's given the, I'm assuming you're on over the cap. That's what I'm yeah. on saying the same thing that is without the 10 million for Deshaun in there. So even if they were to throw on 10 million for Deshaun, they still have $6 million that they are under that cap level. So they could very realistically keep both those guys on for at least a little bit, uh, and still sign a couple guys, maybe one or two pretty decent guys before the season starts. Yeah. So let's let's jump over to a little bit of more nuance than just immediately diving into the cap ramifications and the trade ramifications for Baker. How should Browns fans feel about this? Because, you know, as a Panthers fan, this was a very, I guess, possible reality for me that I might have to weigh my fan base against having someone on my team who's been um, who has 22 claims of, of sexual harassment and assault against him. So how should Browns fans feel now that he's on the team? Because I've seen reactions from we're going to the Super Bowl to Steelers fans saying, well, how do you like it now that the shoe's on the other foot? And then Browns fans just saying, I'm done with the franchise. I don't think I can do this. Yeah, well, this is where it gets weird because morally, of course, until any of this stuff is definitively proven, you can only go off of what we really know. And all we know is that there are allegations and he's trying to work his way through them. Like you said earlier, he will likely just settle these out. And if he just settles them out, then we'll probably never know completely exactly what has happened or what is not. He's just going to pay to get it essentially out of the media and get it off his back. At that point, Morally, it's kind of up to you. Do you trust the guy or not? That's completely up to you. In terms of his actual play, in the in the last episode we did, I prefaced a lot of what I said with, if he can come back like he like he was in 2020, essentially. The last time he played a full year in 
in which he he really you know he was that he was one of those top five ish guys in the league that you could kind of rely on to be always consistently at the top. If he can come back and do that, honestly, I don't think this team is really going anywhere crazy. Like I, I don't think the Browns are a bad team. I think they're a pretty decently good team. But I don't think they're a quarterback away either. And I don't think that even if Deshaun does come back like he did, with the stats that he posted at that time, they would be good. They would be significantly above average. In terms of completion percentage and yards, he would be up there on the top. But in 2020, he threw 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. That's not bad at all. But we're consistently seeing guys break 40 now. We're consistently seeing guys put about seven or under while throwing high 30s, low 40 touchdowns. Those top guys are going to outplay Deshaun if he comes back exactly like he was, as fresh and as great as he was. So as great as he is, I don't think he suddenly puts them in Super Bowl conversation at all. I don't want to speed past the morality conversation, though, because I feel like it's important as someone who, you know, if this breaks a little bit of a different way, could genuinely be looking at Deshaun on his team. Because my theory, and this is just speculation, is that the reason the Browns were removed and the reason the, the I know this for a fact, the reason the Panthers were removed from contention is because Deshaun's agent called ownership and said, guarantee years three and four, fully guarantee them. And Panthers said no. And the next day or that evening, they were dropped from contention. So my theory is that the Browns received the same question. Hey, guarantee three and four. The, the Browns said no. And then Baker got upset. Baker requested a trade. And the Browns said, okay, we'll guarantee three and four because we don't have a quarterback anymore. And so, you know, maybe if that breaks a little bit differently, I have the Panthers because on the one hand, he was never convicted. He was charged, um, not charged, I believe. He, he All that happened was the grand jury wasn't there to say he was guilty or not. It was just simply to say, is there enough here for a case? And the answer was no. But the moral gray area of having 22 civil suits or however many civil suits lay against you, and if you just settle them, like that's not at all telling of, of the result. If you just settle, if you settle that many cases, like that just feels like an answer in and of itself. Yeah. It, I can see both sides. Like, yes, there's a morality issue of if he were to settle this in the court system, it's innocent until proven guilty. He has the money to probably settle these things. If he just settles them right out of court, it's not going to look great for him. But I could see him arguing that I'm just settling this out so I can be done with it. He's going to he's gonna die on the hill if it's wrong. They're going to die on the hill of it's exactly what happened. They're both going to argue against each other until the end of time. It doesn't seem like, unless some crazy new evidence comes out, that there's probably going to be anything new in this case. Now, I'm sure the public doesn't know a ton of stuff about this. I'm sure most of it is private in terms of evidence. But if that private evidence didn't lead to a grand jury thinking there's enough for a case, then it's probably going to continue. It's not going to go away, but he's probably just going to settle it out. And if he settles it out, then it's really a who can say moment. And you can be upset at him. You can say, oh, he definitely did it or he definitely didn't all you want. At the end of the day, we're not going to know. It's just, it's never going to come out as completely true or completely false. I mean, yeah, but the problem with that is that he was repeatedly asked at a deposition, I believe, and just continued to plead the fifth. So what is, you know, again, what is that supposed to say? It's such a hard thing to fathom because all he did was plead the fifth. So he obviously, you know, you're not supposed to incriminate yourself. So how yeah. good how good does that look to plead the fifth? It doesn't look good, but we got to remember it's the American the American system of law. If you're going to bring an accusation, you have to bring the evidence to prove it as well. Deshaun is as of right now completely innocent in the eyes of the law cuz technically nothing has been proven. Now has he done some things that make him look like he might have done something? Sure. But has he been proven guilty? No. Yes, of course. I mean, that is something to remember in all of this is that we are 
not insinuating that he that he was convicted of anything. He obviously does remain a free man in the legal system, but legality is not morality. All right, let's get back, let's get back to the fun stuff. Um, okay, so Zelo currently has Deshaun ranked as seventh as a passer. This was, I believe, com- you know, taking those stats of his last played season and comparing them to this year's passers and fifth overall. So that's including, of course, the rushing stats that he that he adds in. I mean, you know, that's pretty dang good if you get a top five overall quarterback. I know you don't think he's going to return to that form. And as we already discussed, the Browns, you know, theoretically could lose him for six to eight games and anywhere in between. So by the time, you know, let's say the Browns lose him for the first six games. We'll just, we'll use six games as the baseline. They lose him for six games and it takes them the rest of the season to come back. Should Cleveland kind of just punt on the year? From that perspective, this is where it gets difficult because Cleveland has now traded away so much in terms of like draft capital that they really don't have like they can't really like draft and build around uh, Deshaun, assuming that he you know stays in years to come all that well. They've lost their first round picks in the next three years. They've lost, a, I think it was a second and a third as well. They can go into free agency. It seems like they're doing pretty decently on cap. I'm sure if not you know, like probably like tomorrow, the next year, Baker will be gone. They will have the cap space to go into free agency. They can use some stuff in free agency, but that's all they're really going to be able to do. Because of that, I think you can punt on this year, but if you can only dip into free agency and probably not really draft anybody, you might make, you might make yourself a little bit better, but you're not going to have any young guys to rely on to be like, you know, sudden explosions in the league, like how DK was drafted and he immediately changed that wide receiver room. You're probably not going to get any crazy big guys in free agency that can do something like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is kind of the gamble in trading for one of these big guys is that you're, you know, you're giving up a lot of what made the team great. Now, that's not necessarily true for the Browns because, as we already discussed, they didn't actually give up a whole lot of assets in terms of players. They just gave up draft capital. But still, you know, like you said, you're you're giving away the right to build yourself in the future. So that's that's telling um, about how the Browns are going to have to proceed. And it's, this is something that I think people have really, really kind of blown up just how good Deshaun Watson was at this time. Cause don't get me wrong. He was a really solid quarterback and he was on the Texans. So he didn't really have anything to work with. That team was never that great when he was with them. He did a lot of stuff on his own. That being said, That's kind of why his yards are so inflated. He had 4,800 yards in 2020. That was his last full season. That's a ton of yards, almost 5,000. It's really impressive. 70.2 completion percentage. He didn't have a run game, so he was throwing more often than most quarterbacks in the league, which the completion percentage, obviously extremely impressive. The yards, a little bit inflated. Personally, I think if you put him on a team with more of a run game like the Browns, that's going to tank pretty dramatically. He probably loses five, 600 yards right off the bat just by getting a good run game, especially a great one like the Browns have. But if we're also looking at all the stats, he threw 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. That's pretty good. I like to think that's above average for sure. You know who else threw 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions last year? Kirk Cousins. The Browns just picked up Kirk Cousins. If he if if this if the name taken off of this was Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins was put in, this would not be that groundbreaking. A lot of people really love to sleep on Kirk. I think he's significantly above average, but even I'm as a Kirk fan, I'm not going to argue that he's top three or five in the league right now and could absolutely change the Browns. That's pretty much what Deshaun Watson is for me right now. He's Kirk Cousins if he comes back completely normal. Funny enough, um, Zelo currently has Deshaun's placeholder value from the last season ranked eighth um, as overall passer or seventh, and Kirk is either one below or one above Deshaun. So that's an interesting comparison now that you mention it. Um, so what does this do for the Browns? Because that offense is obviously going to be dynamic, and I think that the defense wasn't the greatest unit in the league. Maybe you can can correct me based on our, our friends from lineups. But that team is now, I would say, pretty good. Like, it's not, by no means, is the Texans where it's completely a dumpster fire and they're going to go 3-13. and 13. You know, the Browns 
are one year removed from playoff run that's ended by playing Kansas City. The Steelers kind of have never looked weaker as they go kind of all in on Mitchell Trubisky next year as the, the, the QB of the future. The Ravens are coming off of one heck of an injury year. Just a horrible string of luck. They still finish 8-9. They look like they're going to get healthier and better uh, via free agency. And, of course, the Bengals made the Super Bowl. So, you know, are the Browns – Where what happened to the Browns? So, in, in terms of kind of what you were talking about with how they were on the offensive side in terms of rushing, I do have lineups pulled up on that. I can find out how they were. Let's see. Drum roll, please. They were fourth in rushing yards last year, ninth in rushing attempts, which does bode very well for them. If you take fewer attempts and get a ton of yards, you are more efficient. And they were seventh in rushing touchdowns. So I don't think that I would argue that they are the best team in the league, but I do think that they are arguably top three. So that will be huge for them. In terms of passing, I'm not going to really knock them all that much because like we have said a thousand times before, Baker was injured and had a very serious injury. He played as well as you could pretty much expect him to play given circumstances. I think that a healthy Baker performs a heck of a lot better, uh, just using logic and common sense last year. I do think that Deshaun Watson, as of right now, is better than Baker Mayfield. Do I think that he's better enough to justify this contract, especially with all this stuff going on? No, I don't think it justifies this. I think they gave him way too much money are assuming way too many things. And frankly, I don't think that Deshaun is worth more than an extra win or maybe two wins in a given. Yeah, I mean, by, by Zelo logic, he's definitely worth at least, I think, three additional wins. But that, of course, is comparing him to a, a down Baker Mayfield. So it's not exactly an apples-to-apples apples comparison. Um, but so what? what was the Browns ranking by lineups just their pure ranking defensively defensively yeah defensively because i i think we can assume that the browns offense there's no reason that it shouldn't return as a top tier rushing offense and there's no reason with the shot at the helm it shouldn't be a top tier passing offense so you know i'm not particularly worried about how the browns offense is going to look i think it'll be really good the only thing they need to do is get some people to throw the ball to um, so how about their defense? Defensively, they were pretty much perfectly average, slightly above average. They were 13th overall. Their strengths were passing slightly a little more than rushing, but they were pretty, they were pretty evenly middle of the pack in every category, which honestly is not a bad place to be. It's not like some of these other teams where, you know, you're really dominant in one space, but are terrible in another and could be, you know, taken advantage of. For example, the Buccaneers are exactly like that. In terms of rushing, they are top five in every major category. In terms of passing, they're dead last in pass attempts and pass completions against, simply because they were terrible, so teams were throwing at them a ton because it was working. So if I'm the Browns, I would much rather be you know consistently middle of the pack with some, some room to grow. They're only down spots, according to lineups, which are some pretty bad ones. They ranked 27th in red zone touchdown percentage, and 28th in fourth down percentage. So those aren't great stats to be bad in, but other than that, they're pretty solid. Okay, so that's interesting. So with, uh, you know, again, the assumption that the offense will be perfectly fine and will, from the passing perspective, get better than it was last year, the rushing game will stay top 10, top 5, wherever you want to place it, and the defense is a little above average. Where does that put the Browns, in your opinion, in the division? Because we've had, you know, as I said, the Steelers appear to be a, a good defensive team, but the offense is going to have a lot of question marks with Mitchell Trubisky. That might be, besides Deshaun, one of the biggest wild cards in that division. The Ravens, of course, you know, they have a former MVP on their team, but it was a very injured year, so I don't think we actually really saw the fully healthy Ravens pretty much ever. And then we, of course, have the 10-7 and 7 Bengals, which did make the Super Bowl, but I'm also, you know, we'll see a lot of regression in the mean, I think, with the Bengals in the upcoming season, as is typically custom for the Super Bowl loser. So where does that put the Browns? Are they one? Are they two? Are they three? Are they four? Like where, where? I think they're vying for the one position with the Bengals. 
if you look at last year's breakdown of the standings in that division, and you also can you know factor in the points for points against, and then the net differential between the two. Interestingly enough, the Cincinnati Bengals are the only team to have a positive net point differential, and then of course they are the number one seed in that division. The Pittsburgh Steelers were the second team right behind, only one game behind, and it was honestly due to a tie, essentially. If they win that game, they're tied with the Bengals at 10-7. and seven. They had a net point differential of negative 55, which was worse than the third-place Browns and third-place Ravens combined. So that just tells me that the Pittsburgh Steelers lost a couple games really, really big. That is not a very good thing that I want to see especially when I'm going from, you know, big Ben Roethlisberger, who he was old, he was not mobile, but he was a very, very, very knowledgeable quarterback. He could do a lot of things right, even though he wasn't in his prime. I still think that I might trust him more than Mitch Trubisky after what I saw out of the Bears for him, especially going into a brand new offense, completely different scheme, completely new coach. I don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers breaking 500 next year. They barely did it with Ben Roethlisberger especially now that they just lost Juju as well. Mitch is going to need all the help he can get, and they just traded away a fairly major piece on the field. So I think the Steelers are probably going to drop last place. Cleveland, second, maybe first. If it, it, It'll be really close between the Bengals and the Browns, and then I think the Ravens are a solid three. I'm honestly going to maybe come out with a crazier take. I actually think the Bengals might be vying with the Ravens for two. And the Browns will probably be the clear number one. I mean, that's why you traded up the assets to get the guy, right? So looking at uh, NFL, NFLO, I should say, um, so they have EPA per play, and then it, it breaks down between def- defensive EPA per play and then offensive EPA, EPA per play. Uh, the offensive EPA is on the X-axis, and the defensive EPA is on the Y-axis. So taking those two metrics and plotting out the, the charts of – know how they how they look on a graph so the browns and bengals actually both in the median category so right around average they actually both sit pretty much perfectly average with the bengals having a slight advantage um and then the ravens are in the category called top 10 pick so they're you know obviously that can be attributed to a very injured team um and you know it's not perfect like i think there are a couple of teams that don't quite line up with their category but i i digress um, and then the the Steelers are in the top, are in right around the top ten pick as well. Um, well, hold on, let me let me rephrase that. So the Bengals and Browns they're right around median. I think the Bengal the Browns might technically be in median. The Bengals are just beyond it in the playoff contender category. Uh, the Ravens are median, and then the Steelers are in the top ten pick category. So I think it's safe to say that even if Mitchell Trubisky plays like his best year in Chicago. He was probably last in that division. He's the only, I mean, if you think about it this way, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and now Deshaun, there are three really top tier, if not even elite quarterbacks in that division. And then there's Mitchell Trubisky. So poor Mitch. Um, So I think the Steelers are dead last. They're going to have a good defense, I would anticipate. And the offense is going to leave something to be desired as it has for the past couple of seasons. Now the Ravens, I'm expecting them to rebound and be a lot more competitive. I think they're going to get a lot healthier, and that's obviously going to move them in the right direction. And then the Bengals, they're going to have a fallback to earth, I think. I don't think that they are as good as their playoff um, run made them seem. And then, you know, with Deshaun, again, he should at least, at the very least, elevate them out of the median category into the playoff contender category. So I think it'll be the Browns then the Ravens, then the Bengals, then the Steelers, which is not a knock on the Bengals nor the Ravens. That's just going to be a very, I mean, we said it at the beginning of the season, Tony, that AFC North division is going to be a very competitive division. So it'll maintain that competitive division status probably the next decade if those three can continue. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think the only place where I kind of disagree is I do think, just like you said, the Bengals are going to regress from their playoff play in the playoffs they played like a very 13 and 3 or I guess 13 and 4 14 and 3 type team they really went 10 and 7 so to regress from 14 and 3 13 and 4 
I think you hit just about that 10 and 7, 9 and 8 spot that they were at the end of the regular season last year. They finished 10 and 7. They were they weren't even a 600 team. I think that's about where they probably finish next year unless the Ravens really, you know, pop it up, which honestly that division was really really close last year with just a two win difference the the Ravens who were dead last go from last to tied for first. So, it was really really close. There wasn't really like one team that super lagged behind. I think that Lamar is a average at best thrower of the football and an elite but but falling off runner and not falling off so much because he's not very talented at running or anything. He's extremely talented, but it's just like happens it, it's what happens in the NFL every time an amazing player comes into the league. When one team figures you out, every team has figured you out. And most teams are starting to figure out when you play Lamar there's certain things that you can do to limit how much he can run. And it's, he, I don't think he ever gets back to that MVP level based off of what he did. Cause he just took the league by storm. But once that one team can figure you out, it becomes a lot more difficult to really get back to that level. So I think that while he is an above average quarterback, if you include throwing and his rushing ability, I don't think he's that elite. I still think he's better than Mitch Trubisky, of course, but I don't think he's better than Deshaun Watson at all, and I don't think he's better than Joe Burrow. So it really just comes down to what Mitch does next year to see who is the worst quarterback in this division. Yeah, no, it really. I think it does. I I have a feeling it's going to be Mitch by <laughs> leaps and bounds. Um, you know, I I do believe that Lamar can develop as a passer, and I'm looking forward to him actually having a year healthy with a good offensive line and God willing, some, some decent passing weapons. Um, but, but let's move on to the, the, the other side of the coin. So obviously Deshaun is now the Browns quarterback going forward. You don't pay someone $230 million guaranteed to not be your starting quarterback. So what does that mean for Baker Mayfield? Well, there are a couple of options that he's really being strongly connected to. So there are the Seattle Seahawks. They currently have Drew Locke. Now, he isn't being connected to the Saints because, you know, the assumption is that Jameis Winston will re-sign with the Saints, but that may not be a guarantee. Like, we'll see how Jameis feels about this because it obviously changed how the Browns felt about it uh, when Baker was pretty upset by it. The Panthers are obviously in need of a quarterback, though, according to a lot of the beat reporters I follow for the Panthers. They are not expecting to be in the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes. The Lions, of course, need a quarterback because poor Jared Goff and his cap hit are going to ruin the Lions again. Um, And then, you know, realistically, there aren't a a lot of other teams except for the Indianapolis Colts, which is where Tony and I had predicted that Baker was going to go before all this. Well, the Browns are out. Well, the Browns are back in drama. So do the Colts still seem like the most viable option? I know the Seattle Seahawks have been linked to Baker, but recently it was said, no, we're going to stick with Drew Locke. Drew Locke was kind of our guy. So is it really just the Colts? I I don't know if it's only the Colts. I do think that the Colts still make the most sense just because I think that there's something behind the scenes that has been happening that we honestly do not know about. Because there's no way that a team that is managed like the Colts are managed, they're not, you know, the best, you know, organization in the league. But they're not a poor organization. Chris Ballard has done some pretty good things since taking over in 2017 or whatever it was. I think that they had a plan. They've been talking with somebody that we don't know about. And it makes too much sense that Baker just came out pretty much. I honestly, I think the the tweet technically happened, I think, before, uh, before we did that show where we talked about the best spots to go and I said him to the Colts. I hadn't seen it until afterwards. Tom texted it to me and he had like referenced in the show and I hadn't seen it. So I had no idea what he was really talking about at the time, but it makes too much sense for him to want to go to the Colts, the Colts to have traded away their guy and not done something yet for him to not go there. They have the cap space. They have just under $40 million in available cap space right now. They could afford him easily. They could afford him twice if they really wanted to. So I think that it makes sense to take him on as a guy that, performed poorly due to injury last season so he's going to be as pretty much as cheap as you're probably ever going to get him but you can also build around him if he's that cheap so it's a bit of a risk but I think it makes the most sense given who else is on the market and the other teams in 
Yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. I would imagine because as we say, oh, well, the Browns don't have a lot of assets to build around Deshaun Watson. Well, the easiest way they can get assets is by sending out Baker Mayfield. He can probably pick up a pretty penny from the Colts. Now, I think the the Browns are probably at the disadvantage of they need to trade him for cap reasons. And, you know, the Colts are like, well, we know you have a quarterback, so and you're probably kind of desperate to move him. So maybe we're going to make it kind of, you know, uh, drop the price a little bit. So I could definitely see that. But the easiest way to get a, a couple of picks I would imagine maybe a, a couple of seconds, a second and a first, something of, of decent value. Maybe not even that. Maybe it's like a second and a fifth. Um, but I would imagine that, yeah, that's how you get a lot of assets back. Now, my only qualm with saying Baker to the Colts is such a slam dunk is that, one, if he's being tied to the Seattle Seahawks, there obviously, I think, have to be some legs to that. Drew Locke, as much as Seattle wants to pretend he's like a solid quarterback, the Broncos were clearly like, Mm, I don't think he. I don't think he's got what it takes. Let's move on. Let's go get somebody who we know is much better. And so I, I think that the Seahawks, at, at the very least, are probably having conversations about Baker Mayfield. Whether that turns into an actuality or not, I don't know. Um, and then, of course, Jimmy G factors into all of this because the Panthers have been, I believe, linked to Jimmy G at least a little bit. I'm sure the Colts probably wouldn't mind taking Jimmy G. And, you know, that might lead to a weird situation where both the 49ers and the Browns have to get rid of a a fairly pricey quarterback. And uh, the teams that are still on the buying market are going to be like, well, we could just go get this guy over here and maybe it makes him drop the price a little bit. I could genuinely see that being a possibility. So, you know, what do you make of all that? Because could you see Jimmy G in a Colts uniform? Because I sort of can. I could definitely see Jimmy G in a Colts uniform, but I don't think... I don't think that this take that you know you and I kind of have of Jimmy G is a solid quarterback if he's in the perfect system. I don't think that's a take that is necessarily unique to us. I think that people that are so in tune to the game like a top NFL executive is can also kind of see that. If I'm an NFL executive looking, comparing Baker Mayfield and Jimmy G based off of both of their different careers – Baker came into the worst organization in the league, and whether you like it or not, whether you think he's been good or not, he was a major part in turning that team around, and they are suddenly half-decent to you know average, maybe even above average, the past couple years. Whereas Jimmy G has kind of bounced around these really, really loaded teams and not really done anything particularly special unless he's had a lot of pieces around him. And the Colts do have some decent pieces, but if I'm looking at a guy that can kind of hold his own without the help of a bunch of other people... I'm taking Baker Mayfield off an injury over Jimmy Garoppolo health. I mean, so the only reason that I think that Jimmy G to the Colts makes so much sense is that, you know, with the rise of Jonathan Taylor, Colts have proved that they're a running force. They have a good offensive line, and I think that they have some decent weapons. So, you know, there, I don't think there's no reason that the 49ers system is at least – Again, you know, Kyle Shanahan is obviously a genius, a mastermind, and has a very unique system. But it wouldn't be that out of uh, the realm of – it's not apples to oranges, I guess. It's more like an apple to an apple, uh, but maybe it's like a red apple to a green apple. It's a little bit different, but the overall kind of style is the same, is that we're going to be a very run-heavy team – and you shouldn't need to do a whole lot. Maybe a lot, you know, some play action and some boots, but you don't. You aren't the team. We're going to run the ball. And we have a solid defense to kind of back us up. So that's why. And then with Baker, if you're worried about the injury, you know, but you kind of know that Jimmy G again. Like I think that Jimmy G genuinely raised his value a little bit in the NFC playoffs a little bit. Granted, not a perfect performance, but during down the stretch of the regular season and in the playoffs, Jimmy G was playing some pretty good football whereas Baker his stock trended down and um if you're the 49ers maybe you have the incentive to get Jimmy G out of your division I I honestly don't know if you're that scared of Jimmy G for the 49ers if you're willing to send him away and he's not particularly happy but but again my point is that I feel like Jimmy G makes sense with the Colts and if you're the Colts and you have a team that can arguably win now and Jimmy G has been to a Super Bowl whether you think that's of his own accord or not is a little bit different but he has been to a Super Bowl so, you know, he has experienced what it kind of takes to get there. Yeah, that is true. And looking at each of their contracts, 
So this is the last year of each of their contracts. So if you're kind of comparing what they have, it is very comparable. Baker Mayfield is going to be an $18.85 million cap hit. Jimmy G is a $26.95 million cap hit. The Colts can afford both. I think that if I'm the Colts, I'm going to personally take Baker from a cap perspective just so I can kind of add some other pieces with him, make sure I can sign my rookies, have like everything, just kind of have it in check, be comfortable beforehand. The difference is going to be that I think that if you look at their overall contracts that they're coming off of, Jimmy G, five-year, $137.5 million contract. He's going to be due after this year uh, for another contract. He's probably going to be looking for you know maybe significantly above that if that's kind of his, his threshold now of five years, $137.5 million. Baker's threshold, he has, he's just come off of a four-year, $32.6 million contract. Uh, contract. So you can give him a lot less and he'd be really happy compared to Jimmy's going to almost expect a lot more out of the gate just because they have, they're on very different contracts right now. So you can probably afford to give Baker a little bit less in this upcoming contract. You can afford to make his cap hit a little more team friendly, which you're already fine with, but you can never be too careful. And I don't think Baker has exactly played to unless he does something absolutely crazy this year, played to justify getting some, you know, $35, $40 million contract or per year contract, uh, especially coming off of an injury. If he doesn't prove himself this year, it could be a lot less. So I think that for future planning purposes, I would also go with signing Baker for sake of money. And plus Baker is younger. Jimmy G is 31. Baker is currently 27. Yeah, I feel like that's probably what will be the bigger um, one of the the big deciding factors is one that the youth and like you said, you know, a little bit he's going to be due a little bit less now. I don't think Jimmy G has played to the level of the contracts that he has been given in the past, so I don't think he'll get a similar contract. But yeah, I mean, from a genius perspective, it probably is Baker. So let's ride with the original prediction because it was right the first time, despite the odds seemingly being zero at one point or another. So let's let's keep riding with the prediction. Baker will be a Colt and good lord I hope the Colts and Browns play at some point. I think they must, right? If the if the Texans are playing the Browns. Uh yeah, I would imagine so. I don't have the schedules pulled up, but I Well they haven't made them. <laughs> Do they have they released the uh, who they're playing? Uh, yeah, I mean they have. I, I just don't uh I don't know where you can find it. I think it's on CBS actually. Yeah, I think you can pull it up but I yeah, I mean, I would have the last they, the last yeah. big thing they were waiting on is who's playing who in the uh, the overseas games. I think is the uh, the last big one they were looking for. They send the Texans. That'll be sad. They shouldn't send the Texans. The Texans don't need to be abroad. Let's see the Cleveland Brown. Well, they have a habit of sending these. Just yeah, abs- like, they shouldn't. Send, they, don't send the Jets. I mean, the Jags and the Dolphins or the Jets and the Falcons. Nobody deserves to see that. Like no, if you're to grow, it's if you're pretty bad grow, for sure. If you're trying to grow the game, it's going to do the inverse. Yeah, I don't. That's why I don't understand the games that they like. Why are the Jags the home team essentially? Well, Jags for, have an international owner, I believe. So, still, it doesn't make sense if you want to grow the game. Why would you send over these well, absolute the, just the Jags, awful teams? The Jags owner, I think, is is you know abroad, so it's like been joked that they'll be the London Jaguars. Oh, it's just so. Terrible! I I cannot stand it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, no, I'm I would I would not like it. Have you found if the Browns play the Colts? I have not. I actually can't find the actual. Yeah, all right. Let me see. Let's see if I can pull it up. That website didn't have anything. That's a strikeout. Let's see if this website has anything. I found it. Twenty-two. I found it. It's on CBS. There we go. I also found it. Good time. Article of Bill Belichick. It's the the photo on it. They do play the Texans. They do? Yes. They do. They do. So. They don't play the Colts, though. Oh, that hurts. That's very disappointing. I hope it's wrong. I don't think it is, but I hope it is. That would be such a fun matchup. That would be really fun. Who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see it two years from now and everything will be even crazier. Yeah, very true. All right. Well. Let's let's wrap 
a trade episode in the way that all trade rep- episodes should be wrapped. That's with a grade. Who gets what grade? Who gets what grade? I think I think the Texans actually came out a little bit ahead on this one. I'm going to give them I'm going to give them an A minus because I think they got pretty much everything they could have possibly got for this guy considering the circumstances. I don't think they could have got much more out of him. They should be pretty happy. I would have liked to have seen them get a player instead of one of these picks, like maybe one of the running backs or just some guy that you you know instead of really, you know, throwing out the mystery box if you will in the draft. So I would have loved to see a player come through that they can rely on uh, instead of a, a what if guy. For the Browns, I'm going to give them a B, a B B minus somewhere in there, simply because I think that Deshaun's fine and all. I think it's a little unfair to give up on Baker this quick when he's done so much for the franchise and he just played injured. And I think that if Deshaun comes out, absolutely lights out, you know, quote unquote lights out like he was before, he's not really, in my opinion, all that much statistically better than Baker would be healthy. He's definitely better, just not by a wide enough margin to justify what they gave up. So I think that the Texans overall came out on top. I'm going to give the Texans a straight up A because I love that they got draft capital to build around Davis Mills and the fact that they found Davis Mills and they're going to build around Davis Mills is just a hilarious idea because going into the season, I don't think a whole lot of people besides Texans knew his name and Texans fans. I am going to give the Browns a moral F, moral D minus, and a football B. Because I think that Deshaun will be a huge upgrade over Baker. But they did give up a lot of draft capital. And if he's going to be worth it, you know, we'll see. I don't think it's going to be the problem of like him being away from the game because of an injury. I think he'll, he'll return fine. But he may end up missing six to eight games. And you know that seriously dampens your probability of the season going well. So you know, a low grade for now, as always with trade grades. You, know, you, you can't tell until you get to look at them with uh, with hindsight. Yep, you always got to age them. Yeah. All right, well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week when we do, I don't know, maybe a, a bigger reaction episode. Honestly, at this point, that feels like the biggest domino left in the season. In the yeah, season to fall. Be our Baker to Colts accurate prediction episode. Yeah, no, I, can't, I look forward to that one. All right, <laughs> take care, everybody. I'll, I'll see you guys then.